0: Smart for Life is a renowned health and wellness company specializing in delicious and nutritionally balanced snacks. Smart for Life's mission is to provide convenient options for health-conscious individuals. Their gourmet protein bars are a testament to the commitment to using high-quality ingredients and cutting-edge research to develop a nutritious and flavorful snack. It is a proven track record of helping people lead healthier lives through their innovative product line, backed by the expertise of their team of nutritionists and food scientists Whether you're following a specific diet plan or simply seeking a guilt-free treat, Smart for Life Gourmet Protein Bars cater to a wide range of dietary preferences, including vegan and vegetarian options, making them inclusive for a diverse range of consumers. Whether you're a fitness enthusiast, a busy professional, or a health-conscious individual, these bars fit seamlessly into your lifestyle, providing a convenient and nutritious snack solution. Smart for Life understands the importance of staying active and fit, which is why their gourmet protein bars are formulated to complement and enhance an active lifestyle. Whether you're engaging in intense workouts or just want a nourishing snack to keep you going through the day, these bars provide the necessary fuel for your active pursuits. Visit smartforlife.com and use promo code EMTL20 to receive 20% off your next order. That's EMTL20. Zero. Let me tell you how I'm getting my feet summer ready. Soft, sexy, and beautiful. I am using Babyfoot, the original foot peel. It's the number one selling foot peel in America with nearly 30 million sold worldwide. They offer a selection of DIY at-home treatment products that are quick and easy to use. And the foot peel is a professional grade product at a price that makes it affordable to a wide range of consumer. It has won many beauty awards over the years and the peel are made with 16 natural ingredients. The gentle process leaves skin undamaged while removing this dead skin to reveal the fresh, healthy layer beneath, like a baby's foot. Babyfoot qualifies as a clean product. They are also vegan, gluten-free, and cruelty-free. For my listeners, go to www.babyfoot.com and use promo code EMOTIONAL20 for an exclusive 20% discount. That's E-M-O-T-I-O-N-A-L-2-0 you <laughs> so excited. Andrea, this is so fun that we are having this connect right now because I feel like this has been such a fun social media uh, friendship and email friendship and I feel like you've been on vacation a lot and I've been on vacation and then there was like a bipolar conference and all this stuff going on. But I think what's so fantastic and why I'm so excited to have you on this show is you are someone with true lived experience with bipolar disorder. And while I always thought that that was very rare, I have come to learn that it's not that rare, but what is rare is people wanting to open up and share their story and their own you know, journey of how they discovered this, how they lived their life thriving and being healthy and, you know, getting a little bit into the future of maybe motherhood. So Andrea, please let everyone know who are you, first of all, and secondly, (laughs) then we can get into the bipolar disorder. So we'll we'll start with a little preface of who are you? Who is Andrea? Who am I?
1: That's a that's a real existential question for this hour, but no, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so, I'm so grateful for your social media and your email friendship, and Aww. I'm glad you took all those vacations, but we're finally getting to meet yes. us. Um, I am a woman with bipolar disorder. I am also, well, to be fair, by the time this comes out, I'll be one thing. Yes. And depending when it comes out, I might be another thing. Right. So- <laughs> right.
0: Right. I like that. I like that. I like that. Depending on when it comes out, I might be another thing. I really
1: appreciate it. Might that. be a doctor by the time this comes out. I don't know how well you which are. Which
0: is so which is so exciting because you're currently in school training because this is your passion is to help other people with mental health. You're training to be a psychologist.
1: Yes, I'm training to be a psychologist. I'm a psychological associate, um, which means I am getting my licensure hours for Being a psychologist. um, And it's my passion, and something that I'm really hoping to specialize in is treating bipolar disorder with psychological interventions. I mean, we all know we see a psychiatrist. Hopefully, you know, we, we take medication that helps us. If you don't take medication, that's your your choice. But you know, a lot of us see a psychiatrist, but we don't always see a psychologist or a therapist and it can be so helpful. And I think it's so important.
0: Yeah. I think it's so helpful and so important. And yes, I mean, if you're on medication, great. If you're not on medication, like currently I'm not on medication as I'm still breastfeeding and, you know, then I will cross that line when I get there. But I'm a firm believer in whatever you can do to make sure that you're balanced and you're healthy and you're happy and you are on the right path. um, you know, and you feel like your true authentic self. Um, yes. because I think that that's something that that happens. And maybe you can relate to this if when you do live with bipolar disorder, you can feel. That moment where you kind of turn and you're like, mm, uh, I don't recognize this person anymore. Um, this yeah. is someone that I'm not really comfortable being with, but I feel good because there's always that mistake, right? Of you feel like amazing and you feel like you're on top of the world, especially when you're in a manic episode and you're feeling really high. And, but there is a little part of you that, that knows. Mm, this isn't right. It feels good, but it's not right. So you need someone to hold accountability and kind of check in with you.
1: Exactly. Therapists do that, but they can also teach you right some of these cognitive skills that make you filter your thoughts. See, oh, is this thought distorted? Wait, am I actually thinking this or is this mania talking? Sure. Yeah. Or is this depression talking? Right. We hear that for depression a lot. Am I having a distorted thought? Do I actually think this or is this depression talking? But it works the same with mania, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. do I do I actually want to make this purchase or can I be self-aware enough to know that I don't actually want to make this purchase? This is mania talking.
0: I don't know if you do this and it's really bad. And I do, I, I've said it before in this podcast and I do put things away. But sometimes when I feel the mania like hit and I, I haven't done this really since I've had a baby, but I would like go around a store and I'd put everything in my cart, everything I needed. And then I'd like sit and I'd evaluate and I'd be like, I don't need any of this. I should not be paying for any of this. And I put everything back. But it almost like I get the... I almost get the hit get that the I thrill. need. Yeah, yeah. I get the thrill that I need because once I bring something home, I mean, that's the, the shame is you look at my closet. My closet is just full of bags that I haven't even undone. And like so many times, like I would buy baby clothes and she's outgrown them, you know? And it's like, and not because I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm conscious. It's those moments of, Oh, why did I do that? That I could tell that that was a moment of a little,
1: a little manic moment, right. you know? Um, so I and have, need to be aware. I have a, yeah. I have a tool. I don't buy, even when I'm feeling totally fine, I don't shop anywhere that doesn't have a return policy. Brilliant. Because that way, if I'm if I'm cycling up and I'm yeah. making impulse purchases, I can take them back. You yes. know, sometimes our house will look like a warehouse with Amazon returns. <laughs> I, I might be part of that problem. So I'm, I'm right there with you. Now, I have to ask
0: you, how old were you when you kind of, well, A, when you were diagnosed, but B, when you felt that something was off enough where you needed to search for help so I was 14 mm. so which is which is pretty young well it's young but also I'll say it's confusing because I think that's when I was put on medication for antidepressants which made my highs higher my lows lower because it was confused with you know oh they're you know she's uh-huh. going through puberty oh she is all rush of hormones oh it's this. Right and i was only going in there in the depression stage i wasn't talking to someone exactly. being like i'm feeling like amazing and i'm feeling great and i'm doing this and i'm doing that you know uh, there was not that that juxtaposition of seeing both sides like yeah. there's only one side that they
1: that they saw and, and that's when people usually present yeah. for treatment is when they're feeling and i did as well but i had this brilliant psychiatrist and the first thing she put me on was lithium now it wow. so was a long journey in that in sure. that department in the medication department but um she knew, I think she knew when someone presents that young and that suddenly, right, that something might be going on in the, what was a sign
0: for you that, that, that you think maybe if someone's listening to this and they have a child and they're like, I'm not sure. And obviously we're saying go to a, a specialist and a doctor, but some signs that maybe would be like, oh, you know what? I should ask my doctor. Maybe this could be bipolar disorder in my child.
1: That's that's a really good question. I think that for me, I presented so suddenly, and mm. have a history of having a depressive personality. You know, being a sad kid, I was like happiest kid on the block, and then all of a sudden, I wanted to die. That yeah. big big switch is, mm. can be can be a, a red flag. Um, also, that it is so young, right? Right. When, right. When people present with depression that young, it's it can be more likely to either bipolar disorder or to later convert to bipolar disorder. Mm. Also, and I don't know that my doctor asked this, but family history, and I have an insane family history of bipolar really? disorder. It goes back like four generations. Yeah.
0: Wow. And were any of the generations on medication or aware that they were living with, in quote, unquote" quote, bipolar disorder?
1: So my parents' generation, yes. My grandmother, um, no. you know, at some point yeah. in this bipolar journey, my mom was like, well, she didn't have bipolar disorder. She would just be up for like days, and then she'd be too depressed to get out of bed, and then she'd vacuum in the middle of the night. I'm like, no, that doesn't sound like bipolar disorder at all.
0: Yeah, not at all. That's weird. (laughs) That doesn't sound familiar.
1: Yeah. So she that was before kind of this awareness. She wasn't on anything. I don't think she knew. And then my great-grandmother, this isn't too morbid, but she was actually found trying to hang herself in in a closet. So something was going on there as well but again you know they were they were like immigrants and right you right. know they just didn't know
0: wow wow and so when you were put on the lithium when you were 14 did you feel like finally like a sense of relief or were you scared what was kind of your your feeling and with that I mean i i I think that I was very relieved when I was like in my 20s and I was put on medication but i I feel I was a little scared when I was really young. I also don't remember a lot of things that happened when I was like between, I would say like 15 and like 20 because Mm -hmm. I was so manic and I was so um, in a blackout state of mind. Um, So I can't even recall certain feelings. So I'm always curious asking people when they were really young and they they were put on medication, like what was your initial feeling towards that?
1: So about lithium in particular or just about- Just about being on
0: medication like, and, and being told like, this is something that you're living with. This is a disorder, you know, at the time, like when you hear that it's, it's must be quite jarring.
1: Yeah, it, it was, but honestly, I was a young 14, right? Mm. I was, I was still a girl. I yeah. just started high school. I was still, I was still a baby. Yeah. And I don't think that I had an adult understanding of what this actually meant or the implications it had my life. Right. So in that way, I think it was almost like ignorance was bliss. Right. I didn't really know sure. what was going on. It was like, oh, you know, eat your broccoli, take your pills was all, sure. was all the same.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you, and it works for you. Like the lithium
1: worked. So true story. It gave me a bad stomach, which I actually think was probably just like a somatic result of being so depressed. So then they put me on something else. And I spent most of my high school years being basically hypomatic. Right. Wow. Um, experiencing. Yeah. Like you said, you know, you were on antidepressants, but, you know, it wasn't until my like early 20s when bipolar aspect got out of control enough that we had to like redo the meds, go on the lithium, was in the hospital.
0: Wow. And what was it in your 20s that was the, I mean, I guess there's, uh, looking at the positive side, at least you were aware that bipolar disorder was a word that was thrown thrown away, like in your, it was like thrown out there. You know what I mean? Like, I never even heard the word bipolar until I was in my 20s. I had never heard that before. Um, so was there some sort of relief at least where you were like, is this what I'm still living with? Like, what
1: were some yeah. signs
0: that in your 20s?
1: So I read this amazing book by Jim Phelps called Why Am I Still Depressed? When I was in my early, early 20s. Mm. And I went to my doctor. It talks about the bipolar spectrum. And it talks about why you might be experiencing a lot of depression interspersed with times when you seem totally fine, if not really energetic, but not energetic enough that anybody's going to say this is a problem. Sure, sure. you want it. Sure. Right? So I read this book. I took it to my doctor, same doctor. And I said, I think I I I have this. I think I have bipolar disorder. And she's like, sweetie, I know. Yeah. You're like, yes, thanks. Thank you. She's like, I know, honey. You're good. But there's so much stigma around it that I think – when I was younger and even my my mom sort of experiencing some of the family stigma being like, wait, does our daughter really have this thing? I think my, my doctor had sort of, you know, stayed away from the word bipolar for as long as she could, even though she was treating it mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. it was bipolar. If mm-hmm. That makes sense.
0: Did you find that there were any environmental um, things or what, like any triggers that might have caused certain manic episodes? I'm so curious with other people who live with this disorder, what may trigger them? Or if there's something, just the weather, or you know, something as simple as that.
1: Right. So my first episode was definitely triggered by um, my starting high school. Mm-hmm. So a big change, a big role change in my life, something we talk about in therapy is role changes, even going from being not a mom to being a mom, yeah. an amazing change, but can totally trigger an episode, even though it's a positive change, right? Sure, sure. Um, and with that came getting up a lot earlier. A uh-huh. lot, lot early. I was up at like six o'clock in the morning. And circadian rhythms are so, you know, this are yeah, so, so important, important in bipolar disorder that if you're not getting the right sleep, not at the right time, that's that's yep. just waiting, disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. So you think that that's what that was when you were young.
0: What about in your 20s? Was there something different there that really triggered that?
1: I think that the sleep aspect was still a huge one. So mm. for example, in my mid-20s, I was living in Brazil. I was an English teacher. Oh my gosh, Great how fun. fun. Yeah. Like, also, if you want to be manic during Brazil, the place for you. (laughs) Oh, my God. So that so you think that it was
0: just another once again, like another example of a huge change in your life an environmental change, a social change, people change, like language change. yeah. Uh-huh.
1: I just kept feeding it because I'd be up all night. I'd go out partying, right? I'd meet yeah. people and then I'd try to get up in the morning and work and I would be too depressed to function. So I just kept feeding the monster kind of by not stabilizing my sleep schedule. Yeah. Staying up, sleeping in, staying up, sleeping in, getting up early, just all over the map.
0: Yeah. I love that you say that it's the sleep monster because it, it totally it is feeding the monster a hundred percent. But what I think is so funny to me is I was someone, and I don't know if you're still like this or if, if you've adjusted. I don't need a lot of sleep, but I am aware if I don't have a good deep sleep in that short amount of time, that's when it definitely triggers. And having a baby, you don't sleep, right? Especially still breastfeeding. I mean, I love breastfeeding and if you can do it, great. If you don't, It's not a big deal. It's just like something that I enjoy and it's a bonding experience that I did not think that I would ever be able to have with my daughter. So that's what's kind of like an extra bonus for me. And that's why I'm like, I don't want it to stop because it's like this thing that I never thought was ever going to happen. And... She will, you know, sleep really well, and then she gets up, and then she's on the boob, and my boob is her pacifier, right? So, I mean, I'm very comfortable, and there's, there's, they say that there's a natural, um, I forgot what it is, like, not, not ox, not not a oxy, oxytocin. Thank you. I was like, I just watched a documentary on Oxycontin. So I'm like, I know it's not Oxycontin. That's not what you get. That's not what it was. Oxytocin. Thank you. Natural oxytocin of of like a natural sleep, you know, way to sleep. And it's so true. Like, even if I'm up for like three hours with her on the boob, I'm still in like such a relaxed state, but I have noticed I'm in fight or flight all day long. And I've noticed this as I've been traveling a lot and having to get on planes, I'm a very fearful flyer and my fear has gotten times a hundred because I'm constantly Mm. in fight or flight mode, um, because of the lack of sleep. Um, and you know, that's something that I would love to like warn women who live with bipolar disorder, especially and specifically because sleep is so important for so many of us. Um, when you breastfeed and you have a baby, you have to prepare and have to have some sort of time where you can meditate and you can catch up on that sleep or be able to take naps, have someone there that can help out with the baby because yeah. sleep and and consistency. And I think that the one thing that I've done, even if I don't have the proper sleep, um, I, I'm very pretty good with a schedule of you know, getting out of the house, doing something, making sure I tire myself out that even if I don't sleep, you know, get like nine hours of sleep. I know when I'm sleeping, I'm sleeping hard because I'm just so exhausted from right. the day.
1: And I have to say, I love meet your motherhood experience kind of Wherever you are, that yeah. day, that moment, whatever it is. Yeah, you shooting, have to. You can't, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I love how you do that. I really do.
0: Oh, thank um, you. But you do. Yeah. You have to, you know, do, you have to see that. So when you've been meeting with other, you know, clients and stuff, and you say that you want to specialize with those with bipolar disorder, I have to tell you that is so incredible to me. And it's so exciting to me because when I was going through um, my, my pregnancy, you know, my therapist uh, who was helping out in more of a couple's therapy, helping out my husband figure out like what it's like to be with someone who lives with a bipolar disorder, who's not on medication, help me out, figure out certain things that I could, you know, take deep breaths, push against a wall, whatever it may be, um, certain little tips and tricks, you know, she lived with therapist, lived with bipolar disorder as well. And had been through the same experience that I did. Um, So that was really reassuring. And I think that there's something that's really heartwarming when you have a therapist um, that you go to that has experienced what you've experienced because you don't feel like you're the crazy one. You know what I mean? Like it almost feels like this camaraderie, it feels like this team, like you're finding someone else who's gonna join the team that's gonna help you be the best version of yourself. Right. Did you ever go to a therapist who lived with bipolar disorder that you kind of were like, this is why? Or is that why you wanted to do this? Because you were searching for that.
1: I actually, I never had that experience. And, mm. you know, I use disclosure really deliberately, right? So yeah. I have, you know, I, I work I work across California. I'm credentialed to work anywhere in California virtually. So I have some clients who, you know, I've mentioned it. I have some clients who kind of don't know it all. I have some clients who really feel that relief you're talking about knowing, oh my gosh, this person actually gets it. I'm not trying to describe right. an abstract situation to them. Like yes. they actually know what I'm talking about. Yes. Right. And that's so helpful. Also helpful to eradicate stigma, right. Yes. Self-stigma, like, oh, I'm feeling terrible. This, this successful, you know, almost doctor couldn't possibly understand. Well, actually she really, Right. Yes.
0: Yes. No, I think that that's so important. And exactly. Because I feel like when I used to say these like situations that I was in these manic episodes or, you know, just when I was just feeling unbalanced. Right. Just as simple as that, like on a day to day basis, I would tell stories and I feel like some of these therapists would look at me like. I have no idea what you're talking about. You might as well be talking gibberish in a dream, like in a sci-fi movie. And I'm like, no. That sounds like a book I read once. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, this is real. You know, help me out. And I think that that's what's so wonderful. If you can find someone who, I'm not saying bipolar to bipolar, but you find someone, whatever your trauma may be, whatever it may be, that specializes in that because maybe they have their own lived experience. I think it's such a game changer. It's such a game changer and I think it's so exciting you're doing that. You know, what has been kind of the best thing about you going to school again and like learning so much more? Have you learned more about your own disorder that's maybe helped you or some tips and tricks that maybe you can offer to those of us who live with bipolar disorder?
1: Sure. So there are certain modalities of therapy that are designed for bipolar disorder, like interpersonal social rhythm therapy. There's other ones. What's know, that? Behavioral therapy. Oh, you actually mentioned. Did you I actually mentioned, a, mentioned a couple of things from it? Oh, yes, I did. You mentioned. Yeah, you did. Wow. <laughs> because you mentioned having going the same place the same time every day, yeah. right? You mentioned having a schedule. Those are what we call social rhythms, right? Wow. And they've been shown to actually help in train our circadian rhythms. So our circadian rhythms control our sleep, our hormones, our temperature, our mood, right? They contribute to everything. There's some evidence showing that bipolar disorder is largely a malfunction of the part of your brain that controls circadian rhythms. So by keeping these social rhythms in place, it helps us train our circadian rhythms, right? So you're doing it kind of instinctively just because you're noticing that it helps you. And that's the thing you can teach someone to do. So there's, you know, there's a form you fill out and keep track of your social rhythms. When do you get up? When do you first talk to someone? When do you eat lunch? When do you watch TV with whoever you're living with? Right? right, right. And these things really help. They're like goalposts in the day to help you keep your rhythms together. And it will help you in the end, hopefully feel more stable. I will not get it like all the nerdy evidence. No, but, but I'm, I'm
0: absolutely in shock because I have to tell you, I'm the, I'm the kind of person that has to eat at the same place for lunch every single day. I'm somebody that like, I wouldn't say dinner, but but lunch, I have the same place that I go to every single day. And the people that work there think I'm like probably nuts because I order the same thing. And they're pro- and I, I, I like to wear the same thing and I go on walks at the same time every day. And it's so funny because, wow, I'm kind of having this like moment where I never realized that that might all be part of the steps that are helping me out, you know, it's just, it's wild. I, you're
1: blowing my mind, Andrea. I'm loving this <laughs> but, right now. But you're you're doing it all, and it's and that's amazing to see. You didn't even have to have someone teach you. You just figured it out, which wow. is amazing. But you you can teach someone to do this, and it is really helpful because it just creates this. I mean, in a, in a disorder where mood is so labile, right? Having a backdrop of things that are steady. I mean, it just never mind the evidence behind it. It makes good sense.
0: It makes like total sense. What's another tip and trick? Oh my gosh, I'm like obsessed.
1: <laughs> but that's you know that's why having a child and major life changes yes. can be really disorienting. Oh, right? I yes, you
0: know, but- yeah, yeah. And the first three months of, of having Lady, it was uh, unreal. I couldn't I couldn't believe it, and I think I was so numb also because I had gone through like a traumatic thing with my, my, you know, I was bleeding constantly. I was in and out of the hospital. They couldn't figure out why I had to have this DNC. I think it was a DNC. Um, like, you know, six weeks postpartum, like everything was such a blur. And then I had a newborn and then she like, you know, was crying and then she was colicky. And then there were all these things. And it was just like, whoa, that pattern, I didn't leave the house. Like, and I couldn't walk, you know, around the block because I was bleeding so badly that I couldn't even make it that far, you know. So there were so many things that that messed me up. That were now I finally I feel like in the past couple months I'm back in my rhythm again, you know. And it's not like I'm I'm back being me. By no means am I me again. I I I I look up to so many of these moms that are back at gyms like everything's normal, are, you know, back at work. I'm like, I don't know how you guys do any of this because I still feel like I'm completely, you know, um, like overwhelmed all the time and in fight or flight mode. Um, But I know that I'm so excited To show my daughter like the best life and have fun. And we do like our, our pattern, our rhythm things. And we sprinkle in the zoo here. We sprinkle in Disneyland, like you sprinkle in a few things, but it's constantly the same routine, the same time, getting up the same thing. And, and I'm not a scheduled person. I just naturally, I feel like have a a natural schedule that I wasn't even aware that I had.
1: Yeah, so I, I think it's that. helping you. And I'm so glad that lady is is amenable to that. Yeah. That you guys fit in that way. That she'll yeah. leave that schedule. That's well a, that's she's wonderful.
0: a Gemini and she's she's super flexible like me. So we're pretty easy. We're pretty easy. We're like, we're like, where should we go next? Like, let's go. We're
1: really busy. And you guys like, are you're adorable you're like peas in a pot.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. What's another um thing that maybe you could teach, you know, those who are living with bipolar disorder, something that that maybe helped you out?
1: Uh, So I've got two. So there's one that's kind of big picture and one that's really small picture. So I think one is developing a mindfulness practice. And I know a lot of people are going to roll their eyes and be like, oh, mindfulness, it's like a buzzword is blah, blah, blah. If you can develop a mindfulness practice, it can be so helpful when you're having big emotions, because you can say, oh, okay, I notice I'm having a big emotion. I can name this emotion. I can let this emotion pass by me. I'm just watching it, right? Instead of getting really involved, really playing into them and kind of making them blow up, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a wonderful book called Mindfulness for Bipolar Disorder. It's about cultivating this practice when you are maybe not in an episode, but when you have a period of more stability, but cultivating it so that when you are having some symptoms, you can pull on those skills okay. and ride the waves.
0: I had no idea there was this book out there. That's incredible. I can't wait to read it. Wow. And comes on audio. Oh my God. That's fantastic. I love that. Mindfulness for bipolar disorder. That's fantastic. Right. Wow. So it doesn't
1: have to be this, you know, sitting this practice. They encourage you to have like a formal practice so you can gain those skills, but that's really just training. So when you're in the moment, when you're facing it, you have those skills to pull on that noticing and accepting. I notice I'm having an emotion. I I'm having an emotion. It doesn't have to overtake me. I don't have to run into the burning house. I can just watch it from afar. Right, right. 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 Really, really helpful skill.
0: Oh my God. I love that. And then what's your like very specific one.
1: So the very specific one is more like, it's, it's more a, a cognitive one, but, um, you know, I'm really lucky to operate in this, like this peer sphere where I see all these amazing inspirational people telling stories. Um, But then I work with clients who are not there yet, Mm. right? They're still struggling. They're really in it. They're having symptoms. Their functionality is low, Mm. whatever it is. And I encourage them. I wrote an article for Slate about this on World Bipolar Day. Not to compare yourself to someone else, right? Like anything, like don't compare yourself to someone else. But especially like this, if you are managing to get up like every day with this disorder, you are already succeeding. You're a winner. Right.
0: Round of applause. Yeah,
1: I know. Exactly. You can, you can accept your limits. You can define your limits. You can accept your limits and you can respect them and you might feel better for it. Mm -hmm. I have limits. I know my limits. I accept my limits. Yeah. And that makes me feel better. And I don't compare myself to someone else who has different limits. Mm -hmm. For -hmm. example, like we said, I chose to use an egg donor and a surrogate. Right. Right. I admire you as a mom, but I'm not comparing myself to you as a mom who chose a different path. Right. Right because these are my limits. Those are your limits.
0: And we're all different people. And like at the end of the day, we are all different, you know, fingerprints. And we have to remember that like we are all right. different and we all have different stories. And and it's just as simple right. as that. Well, getting into, since you brought it up, I would love to just, you know, talk just a little bit. There have been so many women that I've met, um, since coming out with my story of getting off my medication to, to, conceive a child and go through a pregnancy and then breastfeed and whatnot, who live with bipolar disorder, who have chosen to have a surrogate and go through that way because they are, um, I wouldn't say they, they, they're not writing me saying that they were fearful, but it was just their choice that they made. They just decided they didn't want to get off their medication. And that's fantastic. Like that's wonderful. So that's something that you, I'm sure, as all women have, you know, we all decide like, do I want to have kids? Do I not want to have kids? But then those of us who live with mental health and mental illness specifically, we really have to think about, is this something we want to do? Because it can't just be, oh, spontaneous, like, oh my God, I'm getting pregnant and I'm on all this medication, right? You you can't do that. Um, So what was kind of your... Process, you know. There's no we we don't have a baby quite yet, but this is exciting for me because I, there are so many women that have written me these questions of what made you decide. You know what? This is the path that I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to have a donor. I'm going to choose to have a surrogate because this is the best thing for my baby. This is the best choice. Right,
1: um, and that's it and that's what it was it, yeah that's it is that it's the best thing for my child so mm. and i've gotten a little bit of pushback from this so i'll i'll speak carefully but for me no. not using my own eggs was both the hardest and the easiest decision that i ever made wow. because having the genetics of bipolar disorder, it's very largely genetic. It's certainly not a death sentence of any sort. No. But there are a number of features about the presentation of my illness, the early age of onset, a number of other things, and the fact that this goes back four generations. I'm not like a one-off, right? Right, right. right. My sister has bipolar disorder. It it's like I it's, lost my dad to suicide. Like right. it's just just like everywhere. Right. So that was that was that for me. I did not want my child to suffer the way I suffered when I was in like my mid twenties, it's kind of sad, but I look back and I said, if I could go back and not be born, I think I would not be born. I wouldn't say that now. Right. But in my mid twenties, I was saying that. So I said, I'm never going to do that to my child. I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy. Never mind my own child. No,
0: no, no, no. Wow. And so what is the decision of, you know, so you, you find another egg donor. What is it? How can you, I guess the question is, how can you determine what, like the mental health history is of someone else, like the mental illness. Is that something that you were very clear to say, Hey, I need to know this upfront.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, the agency, first of all, I have to give a shout out to her egg donor who is an amazing woman. And a lot of egg donations are anonymous, but mm. I didn't want that. And she didn't want that. And she's become like such a close friend of mine. She's just oh. a wonderful, amazing woman with this huge heart. Who's given this of herself to a number of people. So yeah, just love her so much. Oh my gosh, um, How wonderful. Yeah, we're going to her wedding actually in the fall. Oh my god, how cute! Yeah, well, I figure I'm going to look at this baby, and every time I look at this baby, part of my brain is going to think of this person. I want to know who this person
0: is. Yeah, of course, Of course, yeah.
1: So, but you know, the agency vets for health, for mental health, for all of that, and everybody has some. No one has perfect genetics, but um, they're they're pretty strict about like mental health things like that. Which I guess you could argue is, I don't know. Some people might argue that that's not fair, but you know.
0: No, but I mean, honestly, I feel like I know how hard it was for my mom who did not have any mental illness on her side of the family. It all came from my dad's side. And for her, it was, she did everything since I was a baby on trying to get me into the right therapist, hypnotherapist, you know, trainers, like, you know, whatever it may have been and whatever, you know, tricks she could do to help her daughter out and different types of modalities that she could put me into. Like she would do that, you know, but it was such a struggle. And because no one around me had bipolar disorder, nobody around her had bipolar disorder. She had never heard the word before. So, you know, when it's so hard on a parent and it's a learning experience for the first time, you can only imagine how hard it would be for the kid as well right when it's all right. brand new and if you can help prevent that that struggle from both parent and and child i don't know you know maybe maybe do it you know, that that's fine. You know, and
1: not everybody who has bipolar disorder will have a child with bipolar disorder. But like I said, for me, no, but it's a a huge genetic thing.
0: And it was a conversation that my husband and I had to have, you know, where it was like, the odds are pretty high, and she might have it. And what I'm lucky about is, I feel like I've met so many people, and I have so many resources now. And I'm almost overly aware and overly conscious like watching every little thing that she does being like and you be able to help her in so many ways yes and I'm like oh my god like she's doing this I did that does that mean that's triggering bipolar disorder you know no, you know, I'm almost like to a fault like overly, but I have to, and I have to watch myself because I have to remember that lady is her own person. She's her own individual person and and whatever that that journey may be, that's her journey and I'm just going to be here to support it. But, you know, you have to be conscious and aware when you do live with a mental illness that that's a possibility especially with bipolar disorder. Right. Oh my gosh, so Andrea, was, I that love was my that. Choice. And I love that choice for you, and I'm so excited for you, and I can't wait to have you back on the podcast so we can talk about what that whole story becomes because that's a story in itself, and it's so exciting, and it's going to be such a fun roller coaster ride, and I'm here for every step of that coaster, if you ever need that's, help.
1: That's one thing it will be, but yeah, no. <laughs> but it's I also be love that nowadays, you know, if someone chooses like you did to have a child with their own genetics, the stigma that they're going to face, hopefully. If I'm doing my job right, you're doing yeah. your job right. We're all doing our jobs. This stigma will be so much less. Like I run a program on self-stigma because people who come into my, into my office, my virtual office, my office, they feel terrible. Like, I don't want to take medication. This isn't me. This, this defines me. I'm like a terrible person. I'm so violent. Like, are you actually any of those things or is this just what you've heard yeah. and you've internalized? Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely.
0: Because we internalize it so much and then we just, it's, we spin out. Right, like with bipolar disorder, you're constantly spinning out and like thinking the absolute worst, you know, dire th- situation possible.
1: Right, and then to bring it back to therapy, those are skills you learn in therapy: is how to examine your own thoughts, right? How to examine if you're having some distorted thoughts, like wait a minute, is this all or nothing thinking? Is this black or white thinking? Am I fortune telling? Am I imagining that I know what's going to happen yeah. in the future because you really don't, right? You I mean, don't know. Let's reel it in. Let's not spin out, like yeah. you
0: said. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andrea, I'm going to ask you my final question. This has been so incredible. Like I'm so happy that you've been on here and so many people are going to benefit from this episode because so many of the listeners live with bipolar disorder and these are the questions that they may have. And I'm sure I'll be written and asked more questions. And so the next time you come on, we can ask more personal questions about it because next time I'm be open. with the baby might be yes. like a year
1: and a half. But- yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. But for right now, what is your emotional support?
1: I love when you ask people this question. So of course my primary emotional support is my husband, yeah. my mom, right? The think that's a pretty typical answer yeah. you get. But in some ways, I was thinking about this, in some ways my clients are my emotional support and wow. not in the way you might think yeah, not that right. I, you know, sure. don't my problems on them, that would be wildly inappropriate, but you can't watch someone change without being changed yourself. Right. And right. my clients are kind of my reason for taking care of myself so I can show up for them. Oh, right. That, yeah. They're my motivating factor in a lot of ways. I mean, I actually got into psychology because I wanted a profession where I didn't have to get up anymore because that was really hard for me. Yeah. And then it turned out to be just this amazing fit, right? Right. Where right. I can help people in a way that that I really know that's so intimately familiar to me. Right. So my clients in some ways, maybe not my support, but they are my emotional sort of get up and go. They're my motivating factor. So oh. I can be there for them, watch them change, watch them grow.
0: Yes. And I love that. They're their motivating factor. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. Well, Andrea, how can everyone find you? Um, if they have any questions or if they're looking for a new therapist, um, what is the best way for people to contact you? And we'll we'll also put it on the show notes.
1: Oh, okay. So I have a website that's kind of just about bipolar disorder. It's andreavasiliv.com. It just has my writings and stuff. Um, Because I'm not licensed yet, I'm not allowed to like advertise, advertise. Uh, So I'm respectful of the board of psychology and their rules. Um, But also on Instagram, which is how I met you and and through, you know, a common acquaintance, um, best.life.bipolar, because I try to help people their best life with bipolar disorder through tips and through, you know, common experiences and things like that that I share. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you, my dear. This has been an absolute joy.